Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, December 11th. This is episode 182. I am Tony. I'm Dennis. Oh, we've been so busy. We have. Uh, what's been going on? Um, life. It feeds on life, don't you know? Yes, I do now know. I guess, actually, what I should do is open with Patreon, thanking our Patreon members. Remember, you can always join the Patreon at Eclectic Gamers Podcast at, oh, yeah, wait, no, that's not right. You can join, you can join it at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. I got a little too cute with saying it like the email address. Anyway, we have had a number of people join us yes, since the last episode. We thank you all so very much. In fact, we are recording on new audio equipment thanks to the support and the power of Patreon. So actually, I had someone comment on our EGP Facebook when I showed a picture of this. We're using the Zoom uh, PodTrack P4, mm-hmm. which is a, a, I think it's been out for a couple of years now, but I didn't know anything about Zoom other than the totally separate company that does web conferencing software. Right, yeah, and I had someone, uh, several people say they love Zoom products, that they work really, really well. I had someone else actually say they were really excited to actually see someone that did Patreon that actually demonstrably bought something that was related to helping the show. And as they put it, not just using it for date night. Well, I mean, everybody, we've talked about it often enough. We've done most of our work through a virtual mixing board, and that has had limitations. We've had issues in the past with uh, audio dropouts. We've had uh, times where we've had to make fairly decent edits or even some re-records to deal with it. And uh, the sound issue is something we've always tried to have a pretty decent sound with. And hopefully this will just make things better. That's my, that's my hope. And uh, we're using dynamic mics. Now I actually have a two more, uh, excuse me, we're using, yeah. I also have two more condenser mics that are XLR that I got. So, because this can support four people, which we have actually, I think we've gone as high as five people in person one time. We did that one time. I thought we had six. Did we? There is the one one EG, uh, E3 EG. Nope, it was five. It was five. Where I remember having five around the table. So this can support four mics, which again, when we looked at a lot of mixing boards, um, it's, you got to go really big usually to get, because most of the boards are like designed for DJs and they only maybe want two mic inputs and they're mostly using other things to do the wiki wiki wow. Right. So anyway. The extra stuff. Yeah. And so this was a lot more approachable and small. It's yes. Like the, it's like the, I'd say it's a bit bigger than a smartphone. Much thicker, but like lengthwise. It's not quite pocket size, but smaller than a tablet. Yeah. So anyway. I would, I would, you know what? I would say it's just a hair smaller than like a Kindle. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, but much thicker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we got to get those XLRs in there somewhere. Yeah. So, so anyway, so thank you very much. We do appreciate it, and we hope that the sound quality rewards you. I've tested the equipment before, but I haven't gone through and done a full edit. Like, I went and I, I did do some compression and dynamic adjustments and stuff to see how the multi-tracks work. Right. Because that's another thing that the virtual mixing board would not do for us. We had the struggle that we had was, um, for those that are curious about the sausage making, is even with all the audio, we had to balance it as much as possible through the mixing board because it all came out as one track, which in theory, because we're looking at meters, just like I can see meters now and I can hear you now. Uh, I mean, I had the visual meters and we would do like a little record snippet to see how we sounded. But of course, uh, the problem was with the virtual mixing board is there was latency if you put headphones to it. 
So we couldn't listen to ourselves like we are right now. So if, for example, and I'm the only one who could see it because it's on my computer. So if Tony moves away from the mic, he doesn't know he's away from the mic anymore in a way that he, like right now we're using headphones and because there's no latency and he can hear that he can hear himself. Right. So, I can, I, I can now hear the difference between mm, this and then, and the difference between this. Right. Which and is so, quite a noticeable difference. Right. And so then you're like, Oh yeah, no, I've gone too far away. So I either need to lean forward or I need to move the microphone closer. Cause these are, and these are very, you know, they need to be about six inches is the, is the size distance that they recommend for dynamic mics for this sort of stuff. But it's when you are not monitoring, it's easy to all of a sudden, forget that oh wait i'm moving around right because i do like on a zoom call i move around all the time I don't think about it right well and it's the thing i mean it's like i am a i'm a hand talker uh same way when i'm doing like public speaking uh i like to move i like to walk around and 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 talk with my hands and stuff that's just how i am and even when i'm recording i tend to move around i'll look with different directions i'll look at different things my head bobs and stuff and it's always so there's always some stuff we'll see how it goes mm-hmm. uh, i'm very excited Yes, I, I'm helpful. So anyway, so that's why we that's what we've done with the support that we've had thus far. And as I noted, I needed to thank all of the all of the new Patreons like we like to do. So at the high support tier, that's the ten dollar a month tier that we offer, uh, Mike has joined the Patreon, and then one of our Patreon subscribers, Rodney, upgraded from the intermediate tier to the high tier. Well so thank you very thank much. You. Thank you for that. We have three new intermediate tier individuals, Ari, Chris, and Rick, and we actually had someone do a custom pledge. I didn't even know that was possible. I okay. didn't either. Uh, I had to go and look because I was confused because I I, lo- I saw and and his name is is Avon. I hope I pronounced it right. I think he's he's from a Scandinavian country. So uh, that's at least the money came from like in a Scandinavian currency. I think it was Norwegian. So I think it's pronounced Avon. Uh, feel free to write in if I am incorrect. But yeah, if you actually go to subscribe and you see the tiers, you can actually scroll down and there's a custom pledge option. And so I had to check to make sure that custom pledge people, because they don't fall into a tier, like, do they get the stuff? Like, can they read the Patreon? They can. As long as I put it, as long as I don't assign it to a specific tier, all all patrons can read it. So, and that's how we have done everything, like everything we share. uh, And I've had a lot of posts about, uh, like two with a lot of comments, I should say, about Scooby-Doo recently on the Patreon. So. Which, by the way, Tony hasn't read those because the way it's all set up, there's only the one administrative account. So he'd have to sign in as the EGP uh, account, which I can get you that information so you yeah. can do it. Because it's tied it's to that. the EGP. Yeah, because I was going to either that or my, my other thought was I might just go Are you gonna be a and supporter? become a patron I'll have myself. To, I'll have to thank you. I will self-pay. Uh, 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 myself just talk to yourself to talk to myself well give me access and that way we can keep things separate between Mm -hmm. which one of us is the one talking uh yeah i've thought about uh just going in so i could put things in under my name instead because i'm signing everything so that right i'm trying i don't every comment but i sign like all the posts so they know oh yeah dennis wrote this because they want to blame someone but you forget (laughs) sometimes no so so no i'm just i just need to do that i just haven't set up an account with them yet Mm -hmm. so so that's what I've been doing with my time was working on all of this. But what's been what have you been playing? Anything? I've been playing with games. Well, actually, like normal, most of my stuff has been work work related. Uh, we've been dealing with a lot of projects lately, uh, so that's what most of my time has actually been geared towards. But I have re-entered the dark times. Let's go with that. I've re-entered the dark times. Um, I downloaded last weekend world of tanks 
and have begun playing again. I've not played World of Tanks in like six years. And I did not realize how long ago I originally signed up for World of Tanks. So when I signed back in, I received a bunch of stuff that had gathered up on my account over the years that I hadn't logged in, which included a bunch of gifts that are based around how long you've played. So I got all these gifts, all these extra tanks, all this extra special stuff. And then I also got a bunch of special uh, things I could put on my account, like emblems and stuff, because um, I fell into the class of player known as a beta tester, because I beta tested World of Tanks back in 2011. Oh, wow. So uh, that was kind of a surprise to me. So I've been getting back into that. Uh, I have successfully gotten to the point where I've had people yell at me and tell me that I need to learn how to play and I don't know how to play. And then I'm a terrible person. And then when the match ends, I had 10 times their damage caused because I'm the one who doesn't know how to play. Wow. I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't muted the, I'm pretty sure the guy probably let me know that he slept with my mother at some point. So but did I just all the old Overwatch him. one players transition over to World no, of no, Tanks? No, no, I think it's just the people that have always traditionally been there. Oh, has it always been a toxic place? It's not been, it, there's always been a few people. In all honesty, it's nowhere near as toxic as Overwatch ever was. Even back when I played before, it wasn't near as toxic as Overwatch got. You were far more likely to see people telling you, you know, good luck, have fun, blah, 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 than you would to have the people calling out bad stuff. It, it, they're definitely the minority uh, of the group overall. I've also been playing some Warhammer 40K Battle Sector that I picked up during the last big Steam sale. Um, it's like a XCOM-ish Warhammer game. So... It's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I like that style game. It doesn't feel to be quite as RNG hates you as XCOM is traditionally, but uh, it's been fun. If you like 40K and you like XCOM style games, cool. All right. Well, I've I've still been working on Far Cry Six and doing some over. I, I've taken uh, Fall Guys out of rotation. They've started their third season. Now I did not buy the pass this time because I was having too many dailies. That right. I was feeling obligated. Like Overwatch has daily, which you usually can get done within three quick play matches. So that one's not too bad. But with Fall Guys, Fall Guys could add another hour because they got to the point uh, where they were not giving everyone the same dailies. So if I wanted to do it as a, as a group, everyone would have different dailies and it'd be like, okay, so we're going to work on everyone's dailies. How many of them are solo? How many of them? Anyway, didn't really matter. I got my adorable little Xenomorph skin, so it's fine. You got what you were after. You got yours. You're yeah, done. Actually, I got that one like near the very start. And then I went and got the stupid like DJ kitty cat outfit, which I don't like. Why because, not? Cause it's too, it's just too adorable. Like I want him to look like dorky. You don't like cuteness, Dennis. I don't. Apparently, not 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 for make who make who dress up. That's for sure. So you know what's not sad? 
the pinball section. Are you is, sure about that? Well, we're going we're gonna to get into that. Okay. Always exciting. Very exciting. Always gives us something uh, interesting to talk about and to nitpick. And I'm going to have some photo. I'm looking at some photos over with Nap Arcade of some close-ups of the playfield. Uh, so you want to navigate there on your tablet so that you can see them as well. You may want to because I did not drop any images into our internal show notes. Excuse me. But uh, Spooky Pinball has finally revealed uh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo Pinball. I think it's technically called Scooby-Doo Where Are You Pinball. But I think we're just gonna we're just gonna call it Scooby. So now this was sort of interesting. I this is kind of one of those, and it's not I don't think particularly surprising, but one of those worst kept secrets in pinball. Thing, like we like, like all everyone, of the worst kept secrets. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's like it's, it was really no worse than any other one. We all knew that they have had Scooby for a lot. I mean that was all the reports. So right. Scooby was Scooby was what was coming next. Now. Um, they actually spooky did the teaser reveal where, where it didn't really show anything about the, the pinball just revealed what the theme was. They actually did that teaser at Pensanati, which was interesting, uh, for two reasons. One, just that a, a pinball company actually did some level of reveal at a show. Cause it's been quite a while since we've seen that. And I know a lot, that comes up for discussion a lot with pinball enthusiasts because some of them really feel like shows should be where games are revealed and others are probably are you know, the ones that are more business sensitive are like, well, there's no real like financial reason to launch at a show anymore. So, you know, most of like Stern doesn't really do that anymore. Um, I JJP, I think kind of did that in, in what was it? Wonka in terms of like their, the gameplay reveal was at a show, but anyway, so that the other th- aspect though, the second thing is Pensanati is not all that large of a show, like in the world of shows, it's not an expo or a TPF. It's a, I've heard it's a very good show. I've heard the report that might be one we consider going to, I will say it's got the best name. Cincinnati mm-hmm. is so good. It is. Oh, it's so good. I don't want to. I don't want to overly praise their cleverness because I like to think it kind of wrote itself. But. It did, but oh, it's so good. <laughs> it it is, just. It's it just. It just rolls off the tongue. It's just. Oh, and you know, it's just perfect. Can you imagine? I imagine someone is like, "Oh, you should go to Cincinnati, uh, dude. Uh, where is it? I wonder. Oh. They just. They just give you the look. Like, never mind. D- go to York. <laughs> where is it? so so that so the teaser came out there then uh, in very quick fashion the game was fully revealed i actually have links in the show notes to several items so listeners can go ahead and and follow along i have a link to the uh, teaser trailer i have a link to the gameplay video that they kind of put out uh, and then I have a, well, no, not the, I shouldn't say the teaser. I have the one where it shows, no, I guess it was the teaser. It shows like, uh, the specs and stuff on it. And then also the link to nap arcade will be included as well, ultimately. And, uh, in our internal notes, Tony, it's not showing up, but I wrote it on my, my desktop. I probably just didn't sign in. So uh, okay. don't worry. It will, don't worry. Listeners. <laughs> You're talking about all these things and I'm like, I'm like, wait, I, I'm checking where, right now too. I didn't, I didn't write them on this. Sometimes my. I do most of my editing on my other computer, but sometimes my Microsoft account doesn't log in probably because I have my work one and my personal one that I sign in on. So I need to just sync it and then yeah. we'll be fine. But regardless, it will get in there, folks. Don't you worry. 
don't you worry. But I'm going to leave this in so that they know how how much we care and how sausagey the sausages are. Um, okay, so game sales opened up on Friday. That was December 9th, 2022, for those listening in the future. And Spooky indicated yet again, like pretty much all of their pins, really everything aside from TNA, really, uh, they've announced a limit. This limit is 1,969 units. Yep, they... They, uh, they've upped the number again. So when we think about, cause what was the Halloween plus Ultraman? That was about 1750. I think, wasn't it 500 Ultraman and 1250 Halloweens? I think it was around that. So, all right, they've gone up here again, about another 200 ish. Didn't go all the way to 2000, but they're, you know, they're, they're getting, being cute. With they're it. being exactly, they're being cute. And we know how I feel about that. Yes. You, so, you don't like cute things. Yes. So anyway, uh, three price tiers. They have their standard edition. And the way they're, for those that aren't familiar, the way their numbers work is they set their limit. So the 1,969, that can be a blend of any of these pen uh, types. They will just go until they sell 1,969. It doesn't matter if they're 1,900 SEs or if it's like 500 SEs. It, it can be anything. It's part of the a part of the mix of the count. So the standard edition is a seven thousand seven hundred and sixty nine dollar pin. Uh, requires a one thousand non refundable, non transferable to other games deposit. Uh, I should note you are allowed to sell your spot. They did clarify that you can okay. sell your spot to someone else, but they want to make clear like if you decide you want another spooky game, the you can't transfer no, it from Scooby to grab a. You need to sell your spot and buy a new spot. Okay. Um, the Bloodsuckers edition, this is the middle tier. That's $8,769 with a $1,500 deposit. And then the collector's edition is $9,769 requiring a $2,000 deposit. Uh, they do have feature matrixes out, which if we want to, we can go over, uh, and I'll discuss a little bit about the strategy. Cause I, I think it's consistent with the strategy they've done before. Uh, running through what the game has, it's got an upper play field, something that we know Spooky has been relying on a lot lately. It's got apron ball locks with questionable aesthetic design. It's got uh, upper flipper diverter. So the left flipper on the upper play field consists of like a, it looks like a bookcase and it functions, I guess, as a diverter and as a flipper. Uh, five ball mystery machine lock, 16 custom injection molded sculpts from, I believe, Back Alley Creations. Uh, topper, it allows five player gameplay because each of the people with the little Scooby crew is playable and is supposed to, from I heard in an interview, uh, bring their own unique abilities. So like a choose your house sort of thing. And let's see, uh, lots of known Scooby voice actors, I'd say. Uh, Frank Welker is probably the most famous one just in terms of the sort of breadth of library he has as a voice actor on so many different properties, including Scooby-Doo. Uh, Matthew Lillard, who played Shaggy in the live action. Uh, Kate, and I'm not sure if this is how we say her last name, but I think it's Mikuchi. Uh, and then Gray Griffin. So those were the voice actors I saw confirmed. The art, uh, three different people are working on various aspects of the art. So Matt Frank, Jeff Zornow, and Brad Duke. Uh, I know at least two of those have done other spooky properties before. Uh, we've got animations are by Bill Rude. Uh, the design of the game itself is Spooky Luke and Corwin Emery, or he's commonly known as Bug. Uh, software is done by Spooky DJ, but the rules are by Luke Peters. And the game is a wide body, which I believe is a first for spooky. So, okay, that's the, the quick basics. I have some imagery loaded up and 
I think everything is now properly synced. Oh, we can go ahead and have a conversation. I don't know where we want to want to start. Maybe let's start with the with the play field. If you if you have it loaded, Tony, so you can see it. I don't know if you have or haven't, but I'm not uh, syncing for some reason. But I've got it called up elsewhere. Okay, so I mean, when I when I look at the play field, my initial reaction is this looks like a lot safer of a layout than Halloween and Ultraman ran with, which I think is a smart move. Yes. No, it, it, it is. Uh, I find it interesting that it really feels like they're pushing the villains. They seem to have be very prominent in the artwork on the play field and the, the topper and such. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, I, I see a lot of inserts uh, to track things. The way that it it looks to me is uh, I'm I'm going to I hate to speculate on the rules without really seeing much much play yet. I did watch a little bit of a video. They put out a short video with uh, with gameplay as I had noted, and so you know I got I bet I don't have a feel for the rules yet. I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be like a like a woodchopper approach where it's kind of like you make three shots and it gets you something. I, I see a lot of icons that look to me like maybe they're, they're designed like that with, you know, multiple lights on the, on the shots, which is something we've seen other games, right? I mean, that's kind of like how Metallica I feel is, is you kind of, you know, chop a particular shot or a, attack from Mars, you know, you maybe do a shot three times and that gets you a step towards right. total annihilation, for example. So, so there are things like that. I, um, I, very colorful, of course. Uh, you know, they've like colored the habit habit trails. So you've got like blue, green, orange going on. So and I'm assuming those all are corresponding to a particular character or something along those lines. So that could be pretty clever. Uh, when I see this and I'm not unique in this, uh, I've had several people either mention on various discords I'm on or message me saying that they look at this and it feels to them like a modified Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle in terms of how it's configured. You know, they're not wrong. So, I mean, I see a number of uh, the lower section, I think we could relatively fairly describe as fanish in terms of its configuration. There's really nothing in the middle. It's wide open sorts of stuff. Uh, there are a lot of obfuscated shots once you get towards the back because they're either, cover, either covered up by toys or they're covered up by the upper play field. Um, it did look to me, based off of watching the shots actually being made in that brief gameplay video, that there are a lot of horseshoe shots that just sort of whip around and then come right back. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to play uh, looking at it. Like I, I think this is going to play probably faster than Halloween. I, I hesitate, though, because they went wide body on it. Right. And normally... That'd be slower. Right. Your, your typical expectation. I find it weird that the, the drop targets on the left are pretty much invisible below the habit trails. It, they're there, but I worry that they're going to be very hard to see in gameplay. I, I agree. In fact, uh, there are other ones that are qu- there are inserts all the way on the far left, like at the double outline throw, which... Okay, I mean, <laughs> I don't, again, this is a you know this is a gameplay critique, of course, but really a double outline, double outlines 
on the left. Wow. <laughs> most, most people do not like double outlines. Um, but anyway, there are inserts there. They're also covered up. Um, uh, there's one on the right as well. That's covered up. Uh, I mean, maybe it, cause it's like over the outlines, that's less important. Perhaps I'm wondering if there's an insert though, further up on the uh, far left above the outlines where it looks like there's something that says, yikes, is that an insert? It's the same color as the inserts, but yeah, no, there's some of the stuff that I think is a little obfuscated. I don't personally like uh, obfuscated play fields. It's one of my biggest critiques about Popeye. I mean, now to be fair, Popeye is a terrible game that deserves to be criticized. Even Barry Osler criticizes Popeye, but, um, Here's something that you may not have noticed before, Tony, but it's an interesting thing to look at. Are you looking at the full playfield shot? Yeah, I am. Okay. Are you looking at the, they have an action button now. I, uh, I think that might be a first for spooky. You see the action button? I do. All right. Is it centered? It looks like it's off to the right. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, I'm sure the action button, it appears centered on the lock bar. But that's not centered with the apron. Right. Because of the... <laughs> Shooting trough. <laughs> yes, because of how they've chosen to. Uh, I mean, you could still have the trough off there, and then have moved the text over to be aligned with the with the button if you had wanted to, though. Right. I mean, the apron still runs the same length. I'm just assuming this is a side effect of the wide body <laughs> approach. Now, here's one of the things I want to talk a little bit about the wide body decision. What What do you think about going wide body? Do you think this is a, a good I move? don't. I don't okay. think it was a good because, choice by them. Okay. Because one of the things I've heard from, I don't remember, I, probably, I read it, I guess, uh, from someone is there There was a discussion on a Discord about that, and it was, okay, well, what was one of the biggest complaints a lot of people had about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? Uh, the main thing was, the rules are fun, game shots are way too tight. So if we're kind of doing an ACNC inspired layout. Why not go wide? And that opens up those shots. Plus, I, I, I haven't gone and done a cross comparison. I'm not sure there are as many shots on this one either. So I mean, they might have actually reduced the number of shots and added width to make them easier to complete. But, which, which but you would, think it's a mistake. I, you, designer Tony, think it's a mistake. That's going to be your new name, designer Designer Tony. Tony. Here with designer Tony, we enjoy the finer things in life. But, no, I I do. I think um, that slowing the game down as much as going to wide body is could be a mistake, uh, especially with, how do I want to put it? I'm worried about a lot of the choices in this game, not necessarily due to the choices themselves, so much as due to uh, Spooky's um, quality control issues. And that that's something we can we can touch on. Uh, one of the things, I guess, longtime listeners are, are well familiar with my stance on wide bodies, that I, I generally think that you give up a lot of... of superior geometry when you do it i don't personally like to play most wide bodies very much i you would defer to even people like pat lawler who have made some fairly popular wide bodies like twilight zone in particular who have since commentated saying that it's not a healthy practice to use wide bodies that it it doesn't help the design process um I actually listened to an interview over on the other podcast that I co-host, though I was not on this episode of The Pinball Show, where Zach Minnie interviewed Bug and Spooky Luke about this game. And he asked about the wide body 
aspect. And one of them, I think it was Bug, but I don't remember. And I, I probably should have gone back and pulled the exact quote. But people can always write into eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail dot, dot, uh, gmail.com if I'm incorrect. But as, my, as I recall hearing it, paraphrasing, what they said they did is they just took one of their standard body play fields, dropped it into, you know, essentially dropped it into a wide body cab and then added on to the sides. It's how they approached designing a wide body. I'm not a pinball designer, Tony. That doesn't sound like the right way to do it. That doesn't sound like the right way to do it at all. So I, the reason they, they were explaining that is their argument, and I get this argument, so I want to share it, was they went on to say the reason they say they did it that way is they felt the problem with wide bodies is a problem you, very, you mentioned right at the start when we brought it up was, well, they're slow. And they don't want their wide body to be slow. So their their logic was, let's drop in a standard play field, and then we'll just add on stuff to the sides. And because we've started with the base of a standard, it will be able to play fast because we're you know the ball is playing in the standard portion. I would agree with that. As uh, you know, that's one of the things I think that makes Demolition Man work so well is most of the stuff is still essentially like the shots are still sort of standard. Uh, play field with things right the thing is i'm not entirely sure that they've achieved that here like if i look on the right i kind of see it like you see those lights uh to the right of the shooter lane like that's not playable space so they if they use that part because they went wide yeah so far so good right because the the shooter lane isn't all the way on the right it's a little bit to the left correct okay but that's not the case on the far left we've got places where the ball goes on the far left in the wide body zone, which means you've compromised the standard geometry already to make it a wide body, which means you will suffer the consequences of going wide body. It's just how it works. And it might be worth it. Uh, that, you know, that's going to be up to you. But I mean, I, you know, some of the other stuff, like the double outlane on the left to me looks like a, Oh, well, what do we, that's my biggest complaint with wide bodies is, um, once you get lower and lower, how do you access that width? I think designers, even really good ones, struggle mightily with what to do in the lowest sections where there's really no way to shoot it. So, you know, that you end up like sticking in more in lanes or something. Well, in this case, it's like, well, we got to just drop in two outlines because we want to just have one big one because that's going to look weird. So we'll have two and we'll put two switches there. Problem solved. But is the problem solved? The problem of what to do with the space is solved. Whether or not it's enjoyable, um, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, we we won't know that till we get a hand on it. And like always, we don't really like to talk about games until we've actually played them. But I'm concerned a little bit about that. What do you think about the apron ball lock? Like, do you think that's fun? It it that kind of looks neat. I think it's an interesting idea. I think it's something that done well. Uh, could be a lot of fun. Uh, I, is this done well? I don't know. Um, I don't think it is very pretty. Let's put it that way. The, I, I I think the it, aesthetic. I mean, the aesthetics kind. I got to assume it was a joke, given how they're pointed at certain characters' faces and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's a little uh <laughs> little yeah. risque, L- little. Little, uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go with that. Yeah. 
I think it wasn't necessarily the best of design choices. I also worry, uh, like with the crossbow on uh, Walking Dead. Oh, the premium LE. On the premium LE Walking Dead. Anything that's up in that area, I always worry about uh, having issues with it breaking and stuff. Mm. And like I said before, um, stuff breaking on a spooky game is the rule. So uh, anything extra could be a concern. But yeah, no, there's definitely some design choices there that are uh, suspect. Uh, the the toys, the back alley creation sculpts, those all look good as they yeah. always pretty much do to me. Uh, what last thing I think I'd touch on on the layout for the time being is the upper playfield. Any any thoughts on that? I don't think there needs to be an upper playfield. But I think I've gotten to the point where I don't, where I think that about pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big upper playfield fan. I, I will say that, I, I mean, at least I, this one is sizable. It does look like there are things to do right. on it. Uh, the I think the bookcase flipper, per, I actually that's the one like component I think looks ugly, but I think the concept behind it is cool, is interesting. I like the concept. Yeah, I think and and seeing it played, it looked like it was. Pretty functional, so like it, like it looked like that was working as intended. So, so I mean, that part's kind of cool. Um, again, it's the configuration up there. Once you are up there, looks fairly fannish, but it's an upper playfield with limited space. I don't know what else you're really gonna. Yeah, there's not a whole lot do. you're gonna be able to do. There's not a lot of. So, so those are the main things about the about the layout. Um, what do you think about the pricing? I will be honest. I'm well, I mean, I'm always honest, but in this case, it's surprisingly honest. It's cheaper than I thought it would be. I honestly, the fact that the CE is under 10 grand is not what I was expecting with the way prices have gone with all games recently. That's a good point. So as, as noted, the standard edition at 7769, uh, just noting the, they didn't, Someone else has made one. I should have saved it. Actually made it in a feature matrix because they just kind of listed it out, which, uh, um, this is a total nitpick because it doesn't affect the game, but please, I get that it's thematic, but don't don't do your listings in the Scooby font. It's hard to read. It's like <laughs> it's not Comic Sans, but it's close. Don't. It's hard to read. But anyway, so the standard edition uh, features were flat black powder coat and mystery machine cabinet art. Uh, then at 8,769 is the Bloodsucker Edition. That's got Mystery Machine Cabinet Art, Clear Plastic Protectors, Interior Graphics, Knocker Kit, Shaker Kit, Interactive RGB Speaker Lights, Target Decals, Powder Coated to Match Bill Acceptor Ready Door, doesn't include the acceptor, uh, RGB LED Action Button, Metallic Flake Powder Coat, Laser Cut, Speaker Grills, Flipper Button Protective Armor, Numbered Bloodsucker Edition Plaque, and Five Metallic Flake Habit Trails. So there's a lot more in the bloodsucker uh, aesthetically for an additional thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. And then for the collector's edition, which is a thousand dollars more. So 9,769 custom art package, uh, ghoulish green plastic protectors, interior graphics, knocker, shaker, interactive uh, speaker lights, custom zombie chasing Scooby speaker grills, target decals, ghoulish green powder coat, RGB led multi-layered villain topper, the laser cut custom creeper armor, custom Scooby. I'm not going to read the rest of them. There's just, there's a lot. So I I knew that the collectors was going to be under ten thousand because I had seen something about that they weren't going to take it up over that. So that part didn't surprise me. Here's what here's what I think. I think the surprising part was the price of the standard, 
being, I mean, especially given where Stern pros are at now, this is not that, not that different. And so that's the part that surprised me, but this is, and this is standard for how spooky works. They've aesthetic stacked the upper model so much that I think people see the standard and think, oh, this pricing is really good. And then they feel compelled to get the CE anyway, where it's nice that it's still under $10,000. I don't know, though, if I would deem it a $10,000 game because it's mostly just aesthetic stuff. Like you're not getting new mechs. Right. I think that the majority of pinball purchasers will feel differently than that. They'll they'll do it for they'll they'll do it for the aesthetics. Oh, this I, is pinball. I, no, I, I do think it. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of the, you know the what you feel about the strategy, I do think the strategy will be effective. I'm yes. very confident that when it is all said and done, Spooky sells more CES than any other model. So the method, hundred percent. Um, I don't know if we really need to talk too much about like the the deposit system. This is not different than what they've done before. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, so I don't ever participate in non-refundable deposits unless the game's ready to, cause I, I basically, I just want to pay for the game and get it. Right. Um, which is what I did with the, a spooky I bought, but, uh, that was still subject to this model. They've done this for years, uh, sort of approach. Yeah. We've talked about it. In the yeah. Past. So I don't really see a new need to, to touch on it further. Um, I had projected that this game would sell out day one. I don't believe it has. I, really? I tried to check yesterday because it went on sale Friday. They apparently had website difficulties and uh, like the website, just too much, too much traffic and the website kept going down and then they got it back up and stabilized. And I saw someone ask them on their Facebook, are you sold out yet? And they said, no. And then I didn't see anything new. And I think they would have announced if it was sold out. So it, as near as I could tell, it didn't sell out in the first day. Maybe it sold out at this point. They did expand their distributors, like like Zach with Flipping Out Pinball is an official spooky distributor now. I know he announced he got a higher allotment of Scoobies. He sold his pretty quick, whatever number he had, and then he got more that he was allowed to sell. So... I mean, there were a lot of people that jumped right away because clearly it was crashing the website. Right. Uh, and now buying through Spooky, I believe that require again, we won't, we don't have to dive into it. I think you had to be a fan club member if you wanted to buy at this point through them, uh, which is their paid subscription service, which gives you kind of like right of first refusal, basically. Right. Sort of thing. Uh, so I think really the last thing to talk about is what you've tried to bring up several times and I've kept shooing it off until the end of this. And that is the QC the quality control. And I have, and maybe this is why I was wrong about the day one sellout because I have often criticized, I think it's fair to say criticized pinheads for having short-term memory loss issues. And they just seem to forget uh, all these complaints they have with manufacturers. And then they, they go ahead and they see the new theme and they're like, gotta buy, gotta buy, gotta buy. And that definitely still happens. It happens with every licensed theme that's out there. However, there has been a lot of discussion about the quality control issues. Halloween and Ultraman, of course, we we heard a lot. of This has been true for every single spooky. Right. And I know there have been some spooky fanboys, is what I would call them, that have used to go around and say, well, I've never had any problems. And, it's like, and that may very well be true. 
we know our operators in the area had a lot of problems with their spookies. I haven't had a tremendous number of problems with my TNA, but I have had to work on things more so than some other games that I've had. Uh, I actually did this morning pop into the TNA 2.0 thread because I saw it was sort of bumped to the top. Most of that was discussion about problems. And I actually had someone, I think it was one, maybe it was more than one, person report that, yeah, the reports are TNA 2.0 has more QC issues than 1.0 did. Wow. And they didn't sell out of the 2.0s. Right. I, and I'm wondering if maybe that's that coupled with these prices are higher than Halloween and Ultraman. So I'm wondering if the higher prices, the QC concerns that you've raised, and whether you all listening personally love Halloween and Ultraman or don't, market reality is those games fell like stones in a pond. They are they were you have to take a huge bath on those if you want to sell them yeah it's a concern like i don't know and your your mentioning of the qc is definitely what would be the biggest thing for me about adopting another spooky title in my house is i i'm getting old tony i don't really want to work on new games out of the box to try and make them functional and i I listened to the interview that they did with Zach to try and see like if they I didn't hear anything that like gave me confidence or or made the, or made me fearful. It's just I didn't really hear anything that made me think like they figured it out yet. So what are your thoughts on the QC cuz you've clearly wanted to wanted to discuss it for a bit. Um I mean, uh, it's at the point where I I'll, let me be super I think I've been super transparent, but let me be ultra super transparent. Of all the quote unquote major manufacturers they have the worst reputation for build quality, and it seems like they have done very little to resolve that. What are your thoughts? Not only have they done very little to resolve that, but now they're putting out a new game that, because it's a wide body, has even more stuff in it to go wrong. Because that's the correct answer to dealing with your QC problems, is to make something that is more likely to have even more problems to deal with. The, the fact that they keep, that, that they're this many releases in and are still having some of the problems that you hear about are just silly games a few releases ago that were where they had just screws, just wood screws into a play field that just backed out and fell. That's the kind of thing that you wouldn't expect in this day and age. Uh, the sheer amount of stuff that just breaks or, or goes wrong. Uh, I think that for a company that is so well viewed as, you know, like the boutique company, they should also have the highest quality standard as a boutique. It shouldn't, they shouldn't have the lowest qualities. They, 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 they should be putting out the best machines because they are a boutique. They are putting out limited edition runs of small, special things, and the quality should be absolutely as high as possible. And they're not that. And I think every time they put out a release where they don't make becoming that high-level quality uh, their primary goal is a problem. They should be the Lamborghini or the Ferrari. They don't need to be the Hyundai. 
you can't put out Lamborghini and Ferrari numbers with Hyundai quality. That's that that's not what your goal should be, to be fair. I own a Hyundai. So <laughs> and it's actually been great. But 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 it's an analogy. Yeah, the I mean, one of the things that this sort of brings up brings up for me is and you really focused on boutique, but you know, I I'm not even sure how accurate it is anymore. And that and that could be another aspect into the into the purchasing. This is almost 2000 units. This isn't the 90 I mean, 2000 units is a lot of pinball. And I think people are I mean, that was one of my my response and I and I was the first one to make it was yeah, do you really need to jump on Spooky Scooby Doo if you're unsure at this point? With nearly 2000 units being made, you're gonna find these pretty easily. I mean, there aren't very many companies that put out 2000 pins of something anymore. It's right. not that common. I know Pinball's had a resurgence, but 2000 is a lot of units. It really is a lot. Well, which brings the question up, should they have remained at their old kind of levels? concentrated on moving for higher quality, but can maintained at the five or 600 machine level. They would have had less sales, but they could have charged more if their quality control uh, targeted it and, and, and merited it. And it would let have let them remain in that level of play. Is this one of those things where it's just the success of every time you put a game up, no matter how many you list, it sells out almost instantly, just keeps driving them to make more and more and more. Yeah. I, I mean, here's my, and this is speculation corner, total speculation. I'm not alleging that this is truth. This is, uh, we're just, we're, we're hypothesizing. Here's what my opinion is on the matter. I think spooky wants to be a bigger manufacturer. I think that and for good reason, like they've been selling out of every game. The The growth model has been working for them. They've done a lot of things really, really right. I, I think I mean, they clearly have been growing their business in a relatively safe way. I, I don't agree, like from a consumer perspective, I don't agree with every decision that they make, but let's look at what's been working for them. They get really hot licenses. It's arguable that spooky, especially for the amounts of games that they want to make at this point, might be the second best at the licensing game, second to Stern. I, JJP seems like hit and miss. I mean, especially if JJP is actually doing Godfather as their next game, which I'm getting real. I'm sorry. I see your, your sigh eye roll, Tony. But honestly, I'm very concerned that that is. I'm no. getting more and more rumor reports in that that's How? the next one. Why? And On what conceivable level would you would, would, would anybody think that that was the right I choice for people? I don't know, and I don't and I don't want to digress too much on it. But but my point is, and in the wake of Toy Story Four, it's, it's again, it's like I mean, JJP has had some really great licenses, and there are rumors about other ones like Top Gun or Maverick. I don't know which, but you know that would be really good ones. But you know, for what we got what. A new, the new Pirates of the Caribbean, Toy Story Four. No, no, you're a hundred percent correct. So, so that's where I'm kind of like spooky. I mean, Rick and Morty, great license get. Scooby, great license get. Halloween is a huge. I mean, it was it started the whole slasher genre. It's a pretty big get. Those are not bad licenses. Um, where I think you know, so you got they they're playing the license game really well. They have an excellent method with their limited count and then 
uh, ushering people into the highest iteration of it because they build the more expensive ones first and they obviously put the most visual features. So people go CE or BSE or whatever the upper version is in question. That works really well. Plus, they're successful in getting 0% loans via their non-refundable deposit model that people play right into. So they get huge amounts of cash that they can just throw into the savings account while they're ordering stuff and right. earn interest on, which is a pretty good gig. I mean, maybe not quite Kickstarter good, but that's a pretty <laughs> good gig. So like, they got all that really, really working for them. Here is where I think Spooky suffers the most. As you've noted, the QC is the biggest issue, and I think it's because they're in the middle of nowhere that they should not be in that town. They should be in an, in a manufacturing hub or at least ancillary to a manufacturing hub where people can get there relatively quickly. I, that's why so many around the Chicago area, there's a huge labor pool right. that they can do. And it, it's a skilled labor pool where even if they haven't made a pinball machine before they have used the equipment like that. They have used, other types of things. They are not bringing people in with zero training and starting from fresh. Right. And that's, I mean, this is something we've talked about with multimorphic multimorphic, uh, which like, I think in round rock, Texas, right. not the biggest city, but they're pretty close to a major labor pool, but we've discussed and I've seen the number of ads that they've had, because again, you have to find someone willing to do the work, which isn't unskilled labor. They must be trained. Right. And what you're competing with at the same price point as that. So with Spooky, I think you've got an added challenge because you have to be willing to move there. Right. I don't I don't know what the nearest big town is. I looked them up on the map once and mo- they were mostly surrounded by other small towns that are just a bunch of pubs. So so I think that's part of the thing is that they where they have chosen to base has really compromised their potential labor pool. And then the other, uh, and that I think also affects their QC because of what what's available and they have to train them and how often is that going on and, and obviously growth and all of that having to be factored in. So there's that. And then the other thing, which isn't QC related, but I do think it's starting to, I think it's shown for a long time, probably forever, quite frankly, aside from like the contract builds with, with Scott Denisi and TNA, of right. course, which is a contract build, is uh, they don't invest in quote unquote real designers. No, they're doing them in house, and and like it kind of sounds fun, like in a homebrewy way. But when you have something that costs as much as Halloween does, and then it comes out, and the layout's not good. It's just like you again, listeners. I understand you might like the layout. The community writ large has spoken. It's not a good layout. Right. It's just so whether or not you want to disagree is fine. Just be aware that the market has spoken and has yeah. said we have that talked may, to plenty of you yeah. who completely disagree. Sure. But I've talked to we even know people more. who love Thunderbirds. There, there is yeah. a game for everyone, and I don't want to take that away from people. But we have to talk about reality. the The price reflects what most people believe, and most people believe that game is a dog. Yes, and. Again, it was like a design by committee. No one like, and I'm not saying you have to go in and get Dennis Nordman. I'm just saying that it's you, it, you look at it and you also look at the decisions with, with Halloween, for example, where Bowen Karens was no longer involved. And while a lot of criticism was levied at Alice Cooper's layout, they did like the rules he came up with. And they kind of started to feel like they just don't spend a lot of money on the development side. 
Yeah, I can and, see that. And again, it's like you're putting out nearly 2,000 units. You need to start showing like you're just as serious about rules and layout as your competitors. Because I might make fun of Toy Story Force Price all the live long day, but it's not a bad shooter. And the rules are good for what they, I mean, I, it's maybe too easy, we want to say, but the rules, the rules are, the rules are solid. Right. The rules are solid. Like it's not an unfun shooting game. I actually liked playing Toy Story 4 when I when I've played it on a location. I would never buy it at the price point. That's a different that's a money problem, not not a like this is a bad game problem. Right. And maybe maybe Scooby has solved all this. But that's what I think it is. I think it's their location and I think it's their decisions to in-house so much without the pool of experience there that you end up with these games that are like you look at them at first and you're like, "Wow, this is so different than everything else." And then you play it and you're like, Oh. Right. And well, and I can see and 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 let's be honest, the pool of pinball designers is rapidly aging out. It, it it is good to bring new designers up. But it is very much a thing where I feel like it would not hurt to do something more akin to apprenticeships where you have a a a designer who is established helping to uh call it edit, uh, work done by new designers, someone to act as, as an overseer, to help, to teach them the tricks, to explain to them what, why something doesn't work, what doesn't work, to kind of guide them along, to bring them to becoming their own designer. And they'll have their, it'll have their own feel and their own flow. Um, but it will help prevent from making the mistakes. Cause when a lot of these other designers came up, it was back when there were multiple pen, like, there was just a ton of pinball companies and they were putting out machines constantly all year long uh, as opposed to now it's hard to get the experience when every time you drop a dud you run the risk of breaking the company and i i definitely could see the apprentice model working the thing that i would do if you're not if you don't feel you can do that uh, because again like who do they have who's a veteran designer at spooky for example is what we've seen jjp recently do and american pinball recently do there is a whole custom and homebrew community out there farm that yeah that's how people like nordman got their jobs is they designed a game and then like showed it to the companies right so it was i mean that's steve Ritchie's start was similar he was working i think in assembly at atari and then he he came up with a game and they he showed it to him and they they built it that's that still exists uh, it doesn't need to be that weird american dream thing which i never even heard of what happened with that because they were supposed to do that at expo like the american dream oh, yeah. where the homebrewer was going to get built by american yeah well anyways but like they hired the i think the sonic spinball guy jjp hired a, a homebrew guy recently too who's at the company now i don't remember i'm sorry i'm 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 bad with names until i see the new you know the games come out it's tough to remember but but that's where they're thinking that's where i would go not well let's see we need a new game what do you think bob on the factory floor maybe we could have him make one because it won't cost us anything i I, right that's my i'm just sort of like i look like i feel like if we lift look under the hood we can see where like they're cheaping out on stuff Plus, another interesting thing on this is in that interview with Bug and Spooky Luke with Zach, they talked about their new proprietary board set. I'm and I'm a little confused at this point. So, all right, they did Pin Heck, then they did the P 
P rock or P three rock to be more specific. Um, then I thought they did Pinatar. I, but I was a little confused if maybe Pinatar hadn't yet been done and they're now launching Pinatar, but they talked about their, and I totally understand the desire not to pay a third party like Multimorphic for all of those boards, given how many they need and, and have one in house. But if they're, if spooky is the, or if Scooby-Doo is the first spooky to use a, a newest version of some particular piece of electronic hardware, I'm, was it put through its paces or is this going to be another big QC risk on top of all of the mechanical stuff that we've been seeing? Cause software complaints have abounded. Now, some of that might not be hardware related. Like I remember a lot of like the memory leak issue that took forever to resolve on Alice Cooper. And that was P3 rock and other people using that board set. were not having that problem. Right. So it would suggest that it was a programming uh, struggle with spooky to figure out what they had done to cause a memory leak, which, you know, like video game memory leaks, you like have to reboot, reset your game right. in order to solve it. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's, you know, congratulations to Spooky for, for putting out Scooby-Doo Pinball. Even if it does not sell out day one, uh, I still think there's a decent likelihood that it will sell out. And regardless, I think the sales are, are robust, right. even if they, they might have finally, perhaps like a lot of manufacturers, like JJP with Toy Story 4, they might have kind of found the ceiling for what, if it doesn't sell out. Right. Let's say they sold uh, 1,200 of them. Maybe they figured out, well, at this price with our reputation, this is what we can get. And then they can have the discussion like, do they want to up that? Do they want to make changes to try and get more sales? Or do they want to say, okay, let's be a 1200 unit run company and just do that. Because either can be the right answer. Right. I don't think either's wrong. I don't think you need to inherit. They're not got a bunch of shareholders. There's no inherent need for them to be like an amoeba going around gobbling up stuff. I don't think amoebas really do that. I was going to say a blob, but a slime and I, was like, I don't really know what slimes do to get bigger so anyway they're cute that's what they do they're cute well tony i just got one more pinball thing and that is rumor corner rumor corner Here is a rumor corner, not involving Spooky at all, but instead involving Spectre, you know, the villain organization of James Bond. Actually, it's just about James Bond, not really about Spectre at all. Oh. Okay. Well, you broke my heart. Yes. I thought you were going to say they're releasing a special Spectre edition. Maybe they will. Uh, will it have code in it? No. Uh, no. No. So you and I, we've had a number of conversations with other people in the pinball hobby, and the reactions right now to James Bond are, let's say, subpar from what Stearns used to. That's very, very nice of you. And I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be kind. I tried to be kind in the spooky section. I'll try and be kind in the rumor corner section. I mean, it's so much so that I've actually heard that the sales have, and that's not the rumor, but I've heard that the sales, like new sales right now, have fallen off a cliff on that game and it's not particularly surprising we still have not gotten out or at least i haven't gotten I haven't out either. we have two on location but i remember you know i heard on another pod i think it was the triple drain podcast them discussing about how you know you're going you're playing the dr no pro and dr no is supposed to be selectable but he's not available yet and it's like 
there was from the very first leaked gameplay to the official like dead flip stream of it to people now playing it on location. And of course the in-between of where people experienced it at expo, the number one thing has always been the, this code set is not very far along. Here is the rumor. I have heard this is not a stern issue. I have heard that Eon productions or whoever manages their license is taking a really long time to approve assets. And we've kind of gotten this vibe because there's a lot that we thought would be out by now that that wouldn't be. And we know that the lights like George Gomez went on the super awesome pinball show. George Gomez, for those that don't know, is the designer of this game. And he did explain like they it was the licensor who had them pull back from their UKI Appa show reveal that they were all set to do because of the Queen's death. Like that, that was true. It was solely because of the queen's death. They were ready to put those out on the floor. Now, of course the software still wasn't there yet. What I have heard is that whoever does the review of the license assets for James Bond suffers from epilepsy and is only able to screen things in very limited doses in order to not induce a seizure. So, The problem isn't that Stern isn't getting the rules done. The problem is that the licensor person cannot just sit there and view all the video because there's so much flashing and everything that's happening with the pinball and going through and watching what's happening on the screen that this individual can only do it in really small doses. That is your rumor. Oh, my God. I mean, this is alleged. I don't know that's true. It might be best to treat it as fiction. We always qualify uh, rumor corners. That's just... Why? Why would you? Why uh, wouldn't you find somebody else to do I that job? And that was my re- again. If the rumor is true, my initial reaction is: Isn't that like a liability lawsuit waiting to happen? Like you need to have someone else do it. I mean, I mean, maybe the person know, knows their. I mean, they would know their body best and know their limits. But I'm like, I think I would probably be at the point of like, no, you, you can't review this. Like review the still art. We got to have someone else review the video and the and the flashy light thing because you have a medical condition and I don't want to induce a seizure in you and possibly have some bad thing happen. So I, again, don't know if it's true or not. All I need to know is, are you rumor tamed by it? I'm concerned. I'm rumor cerned by it. Rumor cerned. I'm rumor cerned. I understand. Well, why don't you uh, rumor cern us about video games? Because I see there is a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Today, is going to be a very special Law & Order edition of the video game segment. Boom, boom. We've got a pretty large amount of coverage today, and almost all of it is uh, legal-related. Uh, a Canadian court has approved a class-action lawsuit to go forward against Epic Games. Uh, this class-action lawsuit uh, was filed originally in 2019, uh, by a couple families, uh, claiming that Epic Games has knowingly created Fortnite to be a very addicting game, uh, claiming to the point that they brought in psychologists when they were designing the game to help them make the game as addictive as possible, especially to minors. So, um, yeah, it, it, 
that, that, that's some serious allegations. Yeah, no, that is that, that that is some very serious allegations. And one of the comments that had come up is when the judges decided to go ahead with it is that while uh, video game addiction is a thing that has been talked about, um, and it exists, it appears to exist much larger in. Uh, Fortnite players compared to a lot of other video games. Okay. Uh, according to reports that they had received, there's a lot more, uh, of Fortnite players who fall into that. So they are going forward, uh, with it. Uh, they said that it does not appear to be a frivolous or ill founded suit. So they are allowing it to continue. So that is going to be, I mean, it, I'll be honest. If it comes out that they literally brought in psychologists and were like, yeah, we, so what kind of things would make this very addictive to like, you know, kids and teenagers? Yeah. Cause we want to avoid those issues. So just tell me what would be the most likely thing so we can avoid it. It's uh that can turn out to be a pretty serious thing depending upon how, how it goes in courts. Yeah. That's uh well, well, we'll have to see, but yeah, they're moving forward with it. And there's enough there to at least not make it look like it was just completely frivolous, as you've noted. So, right. Uh, okay. Um, that one will be definitely very interesting. Yeah. It'll very, be interesting. To very very concerned. <laughs> and now, uh, Riot um, is suing NetEase, uh, claiming that their mobile game, Hyperfront, is just a straight up copy of Valorant. Oh, okay. Uh, they claim that Hyperfront copies substantial parts of uh, Valorant, including maps, weapons, character designs, weapon skins, charms. Oh, so significant, significant, oh. uh, to the point where uh, Riot had like ceased and desisted Netties at one point, and they made a few changes, but nothing major uh, uh, enough to make Riot happy. So now Riot is suing to have the game shut down completely. And for them to receive, obviously, substantial compensation. Yeah, they they need substantial. I don't know if Valorant's doing as well for Riot as they thought it would. Yeah, I don't think it is. But, like, when some of the stuff is compared, uh, like, I saw some of the comparison art between Hyperfront and Valorant. Uh, some of the characters are literally palette swapped. Or, like, there's a character in one of them It looks has the exact same weapon type, exact same poses, is a palette-swapped, sex-swapped version of that character. So it was a male instead of a female. But had the same poses, moved the same, had the same weapon, had a moveset that was almost identical. But where one was like, like, like had, oh, I've got like tans and greens and stuff. And the other was like, well, yeah, but I have greens over tans. That's completely different than tans totally over greens. Different. It's just Very completely different. different. So, All the uh, different. And some of the map designs are like when you compare the maps, they're like 95 plus percent identical. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's – I think Riot has a very good case um, going forward. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that actually works out. But, yeah, I mean – in the mobile game market, that type of thing is pretty common, especially the art asset theft, uh, though not necessarily the total game theft 
to the point of having a very the same type of game with all the like stealing the apps and stuff. But it's not unusual uh, to see mobile games out there that have art assets that are lifted from movies or anime or other video games entirely. Uh, I've seen ads for them. I've seen uh, review videos where people have just like, okay, here's this game and here's all of these art assets that they lifted from these like 15 other games to put into this game. All these character designs are this and that. It's a pretty common thing in the more of like, like wild westy independent um, mobile game market. Okay. So, oh, the Microsoft Activision merger. Mm-hmm. There was a report. A report that the FTC was softening their stance, and three days later, the FTC. Sued Microsoft to block the merger. <gasps> so that report was wrong. That report's not very right. Now, I had heard a rumor like a month or so ago that FTC was probably going to sue them. So. Right. And then another rumor came out like like a week ago saying that they softened their stance. And then the suit got filed like right afterwards. So um, it, the FTC is claiming that the deal would allow the company to suppress its competition. Uh, they pointed out that Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax last year. Uh, during that, they had ensured European regulators that they had the they had no uh, intention to withhold games from rival consoles. And then they decided to make games from Bethesda Microsoft exclusives like Starfield and Redfall. After saying that, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop these from being on other platforms. Um, though I've read elsewhere that the exact wording when they talked to the regulators did not say that they were going to allow them to be on like PlayStation and the like. It said they would, those games would be available anywhere. Game pass was available, which means PC and Xbox. I, um, right. I actually want to think I, I should have, I should have thought about throwing the link in here. I want to think I saw something yesterday where a uh, report that European regulators reached out and said, no, Microsoft did not lie in our arrangement. Right. Which that's a pretty big error on the FTC's part to make that claim that they did when the European regulators are not upset with how that went. Well, see, and that, and that's what I was hearing that Microsoft's response. I, I just heard Microsoft's response was like, we did, we didn't do anything that we didn't say we were going to do on Microsoft's response. Uh, the FTC, uh, uh, lost my spot. There it is. The FTC says Microsoft has already shown that it can and will withhold content from its gaming rivals. Today, we seek to stop Microsoft from gaining control over a leading independent game studio and using it to harm competition in multiple dynamic and fast growing gaming markets. Uh, they went on to say that Activ- Activision Blizzard is one of only a very small number of top video game developers in the world that create and publish high-quality video games for multiple devices, before noting that the publisher's titles, which include the likes of Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft, currently attract 154 million monthly active users between them. But that could change if this deal was allowed to proceed. With control over Activision's blockbuster franchises, Microsoft would have both the means and the motive to harm competition by manipulating Activision's pricing, degrading Activision's game quality or player experience on rival consoles and gaming services, changing the terms and timing of access to Activision's content, or withholding content from competitors entirely, resulting in harm to consumers. Well, I mean, it's those aren't ridiculous concerns to have. 
They're not. They're not. The uh, interesting thing is, is that um, shortly before this suit was filed, uh, Microsoft had made an announcement that they had agreed to a 10-year deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo consoles. Where it currently is not. Where it's currently not. And they had also offered the same deal to PlayStation. Where it currently is. Where it currently is. And PlayStation uh, likened it to uh, Blockbuster's view of Netflix rising. So uh, they... I don't know. I, I really don't know. I've seen some uh, comments that the FTC filed this suit in the FTC's um, own courts instead of filing it in some of the other courts they had options to file it in. And I've seen some legal analysis, depending upon how much you want to do it, that they filed it in their own courts because A, um, the FTC never loses in their own courts and B, uh, that's where they tend to file stuff where they're aiming more to get concessions than necessarily to prevent stuff. I'm curious what they, what they want then. I know they had very like this a couple of days ago had, there were scheduled talks for them and Microsoft regarding what the concessions would be clearly. Microsoft su- has suggested that, and maybe that's, I don't know if they'd latch on it, like 10 years of exclusivity to, you know, having Call of Duty, for example, which is the, like the big Activision yeah, that's the franchise. Big, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, all of, I really struggle long-term. I mean, if the FTC, I guess, went, Microsoft's going to go another route. They're not right. going to give up on this deal at this point. And quite frankly, I struggle uh I struggle mightily to see how this makes a lot of sense. I I can get it well, like if you're really against the things being gobbled up just in general, consolidation in general, I can understand why you would have concerns about this or really any acquisition. But it just doesn't it just doesn't make Microsoft bigger than the other consoles so i just don't i again i always i hearken back to t-mobile getting sprint and i'm like if that's not too big where the number three and number four merge together to still be the number three then i don't know what is it's and 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 i've noticed uh, microsoft now because of the ftc's action has gotten a lot more lippy out in public where they're like this is everything that we've done um i know phil spencer gave a big talk where he's like this is sony this is Sony working their FTC contacts because they are upset that we're going to have all of these properties. And he's like, you know, yeah, we'll do a 10 year deal on call of duty, but you basically equated it to the Minecraft thing. He's like, we would be so stupid, so stupid to lose billions of, you know, potentially billions of dollars over the long term by limiting call of duty to Xbox. Do you understand yeah. how much business call of duty is biggest on PlayStation right now. Why would we give all that up? They're not all going to just go out and buy an Xbox console just because, you know, we try and make them. They would not uh, we would rather make on the hardware money. sales. Yeah. We'd rather make the money. And, and it's like, and we've seen that before. And I, you know, Microsoft's had some way back in the past in particular, had some, you know, antitrust stuff that's happened under prior leadership. So I understand people being suspicious and that this, the other thing is a number of other governments like Brazil and stuff have already signed off on this deal. Right. 
Now, obviously, that market isn't as important as the the U.S. market. I think the U.S. and the U.K. I don't know if Canada are the ones. There are three I think that still haven't signed off. Uh, the e, the the U.S., the U.K., and the EU. Okay, are the big are the big three. So, yeah, I just I'm like I don't know what I don't know what more that they concessions they want. I thought it was because I didn't know what exactly happened with the EU thing, but I thought it was you know, pretty glaring when you had the EU regulators like, whoa, 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 what's this legal claim that they violated our agreement? We would have done something. They had violated the agreement. They did not violate the agreement on Zenimax. So, I mean, it's like, it feels weird to, I understand the need to do the scrutiny and I'm not critical of that, but I'm at the same time, I'm like, why are you lying in your lawsuit then? It's like that wouldn't have been a hard thing to confirm. No, it feels like something that they were hand fed and are going through with. But it's 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 so weird uh, because, like you said, like the T-Mobile thing, it's like it's not like they're suddenly going to become the number one place in the in the zone. They're still going to be number three. Honestly, the way a couple of the other groups have been growing lately, they might not make it all the way up to three. They might drop back down to four because there's been a lot of mergers in the last six months in the video game industry. So anyway, we'll just have to wait and see. But Yeah, it's going to be interesting. While we're talking about Activision, Activision has decided to sue California over the state's lawsuit Against Activision, uh, they are claiming that the state deliberately unleashed a hurricane of hostile media coverage based on malicious and knowingly false assertions in the state's suit uh, against Activision about, you know, their sexual harassment and all of that. Uh, They are suing to get access to internal documents, including details about the state's discussions with the Communication Workers of America Union. Um. Because they feel that the state has been uh, working specifically with the unions to attack Activision Blizzard. King. Okay, I don't know that one. I don't know if that's a good lawsuit or not. I'm, uh, how they've responded to everything else with the sexual harassment stuff, I would lean towards probably not. But yeah, that's considering allegedly, con- yeah, allegedly, considering all of their responses are have been well, we investigated ourselves and there was nothing wrong. So we're yes. okay. We're fine. We're this fine. Is fine. This is all. This fine. is fine. Yuji Naka, not Sonic. Gotta go fast. Father Sonic. You might think this is a repeat from last episode, it is. where we talked about insider you talked trading. About his trading, and he was got arrested. He did. And then he went and then he got out on bail and all that stuff and all the goodness. Yeah, he's been arrested again. Oh no! For insider trading <laughs> again, yeah, again oh. on a different thing. Uh, last time he'd been arrested. Uh, for insider trading of two point eight a two point eight million yen purchase, uh, as you might recall, uh, from a company buying up stock in a company just before the announcement came out about them doing a uh, mobile game for Square Enix. Right. Well, now it came out he also purchased a hundred and forty four point seven million yen of developer A Team. Just before the announcement was made of them working on the mobile Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier game. <laughs> now, 144 million yen is, that's a lot of money. That's about a million dollars. Wow. It's just a hair over a million dollars. It's like a million fifty thousand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is not small amounts of money. 
Wow. Sonics paid him well. Apparently. Well, no, he probably got it all through trades. <laughs> what am I saying? What am I, allegedly. 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 There is an insider trading problem. <laughs> Maybe he could do inciting trade sim. <laughs> that's his, that's going to be his That's going to be his next. Yes. <laughs> insider trading tycoon. Yes. <laughs> You could say the best way to get out on bail. All right. Oh, that, that was, was fun. a lot of law. That was a lot of law. You've got send that stuff to Legal Eagle on YouTube. We'll give him give him videos for the next couple months. No kidding. Uh, so done with the legal stuff. On to game awards. So, you didn't watch this live. I, I did. I was attending. I did. Uh, I did a, my a duty. school related thing for my daughter. So <gasps> that was more important than oh. watching this live. Okay. Um, I, I did tune in uh, to hour 437 of Christopher Judge's acceptance speech. Oh, my God. I was um, I felt so bad because he was so emotional, but I was I was actually ranting at the television. <laughs> I'm like, why won't you shut up? Oh, voice actor. That's right. It was like 10 I, minutes. Actually, I saw it, it was it was I'm, I'm going to whine about it a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. You, uh, you 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 deserve the reward. But, totally deserve it. But. Holy cow. I mean, the like Reddit lit up on that. Like he went on five minutes longer than his total dialogue in the game. Yeah. Starts accusations. <laughs> <laughs> the award for longest acceptance speech ever goes to yeah. know, all that sort of, it was just like, and he was the first major award. They start like, it felt like no one else got any time because of that. They did the walk off music, like after 10 seconds on everyone else. Yeah. Because it I was... didn't know they couldn't find the button or they thought, we don't want to do this because it's going to look like really mean. This guy, he's so I mean, he's I mean, he was super appreciative. I was worried that Al Pacino was going to, who was giving him the award, was going to fall over from old age. Off oh, I know. Al Pacino looked rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 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 when they started the video, I'm looking. I'm like, is that is that Al Pacino? I know they say it's Al Pacino, but is that actually Al Pacino? It sounded like Al Pacino, like. <laughs> Al Pacino, almost dead version. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was oh, well, that was long. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't the presentation speech highlight of the show. That was not that was saved for the finale. Yes, which was weird. It was so watching weird. it live. I was like, why? Watch it. Uh, the, all right, so I'll, I'll let you set it up. Okay, for the finale, for the game of the year. The we, big award. The big award. The one everyone cares about. The only award anyone's actually care. Everyone's watching for trailers. That's, that's the yeah, only that's real award anyone The cares only about. real award anyone cares about. Anyone tell them to rank. Uh, but. Spoilers. Yeah. When when Hidetaka Miyazaki and his team went up to accept the award, there was another person with them. A special guest. Now, when I saw this, I was confused because the person looked, one, really nervous, and two, like they were 12. Right. So I thought- is he related to one of them? Maybe did they do they have like an internship program where they let kids like develop a texture? Yeah. Like I I'm, I'm just like I'm trying cuz he's up there with them, no one's like looking at him or anything, so I'm like, okay. But he uh, really didn't look like he belonged. No, he didn't. He looked like a kid who who stole someone's suit and had his sneakers on, you know, and I get it. Jeff Keeley does this the the whole I'm going to wear the suit, but I'm going to put on my Air Jordans at the same time cuz I'm so hip. Right. <sighs> That's not how you wear a suit, guys. Come on. Get some shoes. You can get them cheap. You put the suit on. You did. And then you go with Converse. My gosh. Yeah. That's what you do. If yeah. you're going to wear 
Don't wear tennis high tops shoes. with a suit. If you're going to wear tennis shoes yeah, it's with be. a suit, it's got to be Converse. I'm just saying. It's yeah. the only thing that yeah. works. Yeah. Thank you, Fashion Tony. Designer Tony. Designer Tony. But maybe she's born with it. No, it's Designer Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be kind of Oh, my God. <laughs> it's one shade. It's just, it's just one shade. It's just one it's like, shade. What is it? It's like black. <laughs> like. Designer Tony, you only have one shade. It's black. Why? It's for highlights. What sort of highlights? I don't know. I don't know anything about makeup. Designer Tony. Highlights everything. He doesn't know. Highlights. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Sorry. Uh, like, we're, we're dragging this story out. I apologize. Apologize to the listeners. The, uh, <laughs> while they were doing the acceptance speech, um, this young, youngin. very we'll young. Yeah, youngin. The, the youngin. The youngin got the microphone. Uh, uh, obviously to, to say his part, part of the acceptance speech. And the concluding music's like blaring at this point. Yeah. Everyone else is walking off the stage. Yeah, they're trying to get off. And he gets the microphone and he says, I want to thank everybody and say that, uh, say that I think I want to nominate this award to my reformed Orthodox rabbi, Bill Clinton. Yes. And I, I heard pretty much all of that live when it was said. I, I heard the... Uh, I want to thank, and then I struggled a little bit, and then I heard nominate, or, or I heard the award. Like I thought, is he wanting to dedicate the award to someone? And then I heard this reformed author, Orthodox Rabbi Bill Clinton, and I'm thinking, but not like our Bill Clinton, right? right. This is like like <laughs> someone like else's some other, Bill Clinton. yeah, not the Bill Clinton. This is like Bill Clinton, not Bill Clinton. <laughs> anyway, uh, and. But what I did see is there were guys with suits that then like Bill Clinton's guys or something like a secret <laughs> service looking guys came up and I didn't see them grab him, but he was surrounded by people while he was walking off of the stage. They did it calmly like, oh, maybe that's and again, I'm like, is this all part of like, does Elden Ring like have an entourage? Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty successful game. Maybe they just have people, you know, it, I got yeah, people. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like a super obvious. It was subtle. It was a subtle. It was subtle, but you're like, those guys weren't there before. And yes. now they've used like special Dark Souls powers and got up there. <laughs> well, they didn't tweet out and announce that that guy's been arrested. Mm. <laughs> why? For harassing Bill Clinton? I, I, they didn't say why, just that he had been. Okay. So there's the true last legalish thing i just oh it was so weird when i watched the replay i'm just like yeah no this it is was so weird. it was and of course that was there were a lot of like reddit comments on the game of the year about that but what about bill clinton's role and all that <laughs> i had now i've not confirmed this so again alleged i'd heard someone had t- who had seen that told me that there was some stuff about like this people like digging up stuff on this guy that he had been uh recently just got out of jail uh known for anti-semitic rhetoric so I, I, people say stuff. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know yeah. because on the right, the way it sounds, because there's nothing in that statement itself that nece- that seems offensive. So it seems almost like it was for the lulls. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. I. So many people seem. It, it's strange to me the way anymore something will happen and then like people like deep dive all this stuff and explain how it is. And then it turns out to be something a hundred percent different. Than yeah, okay. yeah, it's weird. It was weird. It, it was, it anyway. was just really odd. But now we can talk about the important part of the game awards, mm-hmm. which 
is Christopher Judge. So, that man, you want to talk about this? He was so dapper. His suit was just smoking. Guy looked great. Great voice. Everything was great. Wonderful. So, we need to continue talking about his 10-minute acceptance speech for another 25 minutes. It was <laughs> it's like so long. He he started by thanking his family. Then he thanked the original director. Then he thanked the new director. Then he explained how the new director chose the replacement director. Yeah, and I'm just was... keep looking over at Al Pacino. I'm like, come on. I don't know. We're going to get a heat too now. I think, I don't think we are. Yeah. It was, it was definitely interesting. <laughs> Al Pacino's like, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> like, well, I can't even read the teleprompter. It's too far away. Well, considering I'm before he made the announcement, Al Pacino was doing curls with the, like, with, with the award. And, and, and then I was worried that, that he was going to get <laughs> hugged to death. Yeah. Well, if you got the chance to hug Al Pacino. No, I don't blame him. Okay. I mean, come on. All I mean, right. It's got to be really cool. I mean, of all the people who handed an award to someone, that was the coolest. Was, right. on, it's Al Pacino. It's Al Pacino. It's Al Pacino. So. <laughs> Star of the hit pinball machine Godfather. Al Pacino. God. No. Okay. On to the real meat and potatoes of the game awards. New game announcements and trailers. Um, there were a lot of them, and I'm only going to talk about some of them. If I miss one of the ones you want to talk about, Dennis, you let me know. Because I only grabbed a couple of them because there's just so many. Vampire Survivors. I already have that game. It's on mobile now. They've got a mobile version. It's out now, which that game would be perfect for mobile, honestly. So I think that's not a bad choice at all. Uh, I have not downloaded it yet, but I plan to because that game is great. Yep, I remember seeing that. And I I do have the game as well on Steam. I just have not played it yet. Uh, You are missing out. But now you can play it on your phone. No, I'm going to play it on the PC. It was a gift. I'm going to play it. I just haven't. I just haven't because I'm lazy. Because you're too busy playing Far Cry. Boop, 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 I like boop, to fly boop, the helicopter boop. and use the rockets and go. Uh, <laughs> Hellboy, Web of Weird. It's a roguelite action adventure. Oh, I forgot about that game one. with Hellboy, which that can be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done it in a very comic style, which is good. Um, so that could be a lot of. Like I said, it, I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. It looks interesting. I like roguelites. Yeah, I, like I wasn't sold on that one yet. We'll see. That's probably why. Uh, there wasn't much like there wasn't like gameplay. That's the problem with like ninety percent of these have no gameplay. No, it it's, is, they it's are true teasers. Yeah, they're true, true teasers. teasers. Uh, we did get a release date for Street Fighter Six. It's June. Tekken Eight's coming out next year. No surprise there. Uh, one of my biggest things of all of them, Hades Two is coming out. They're putting out a sequel to Hades. That's that's great. Hades is an awesome game. Uh, getting another Hades game is wonderful yeah that was probably the surprise highlight of the show for me yeah seeing the hades 2 trailer because i was like i never would have thought about there being like, another hades game yeah, honestly i know when then initially i thought i it wasn't clicking for me and i was like oh wait a moment oh this is the art style Are they, have they done another roguelike and then i was like oh they're actually continuing in the world of hades right okay because i didn't i thought maybe they just do a uh like different gods. Like let's do some Norse mythology right. or something. Or something. But no, it works. And the art and that one actually showed some gameplay and it looks it cool. Did. It did. Uh good cinematics and good gameplay. There was an announcement trailer for Bayonetta Origins. 
uh, Cerise and the Lost Demon. It's a prequel, a super cutesy fairy tale prequel game for Bayonetta. How you do a cutesy Bayonetta with a young Bayonetta, especially coming off just how bad Bayonetta 3 has been being reviewed. It's not gone well. Mm. It's it sold well, I think. It sold well, but it's... Because it, it like cracked the top 10 in its first month, and its first month period was two days. So, right. It, uh, it sold very well because Bayonetta is a very f- successful franchise, mm-hmm. but everything I've seen is pretty much considers it the worst Well, this Bayonetta. is a different uh, gameplay style. It's, it's a completely the, different gameplay so style. So maybe that helps it. Yeah, I don't it, know. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea to take and a character that is so powerful and then jump back to when they were a kid and when things were just starting out and making a very different, very almost kind of cutesy esque thing. Um, Suicide squad kill the justice league, uh, had a reveal trailer showing Batman and it appears to be Kevin Conroy's last voice acting credit. Uh, it might not be his last because voice actors record right, stuff. Right, right. It's hard to say. But uh, he passed away last month. And I, I know, like me, you've grown up with Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman. Yeah, well, just like all the animated Batmans. I played all the Arkham games yeah. that he voiced. Um, yeah, I mean, he for a lot of us, his voice is Batman. So, and yeah. I think they they handled it really like classy at the show. And just I thought so too. Not overly somber, but just sort of. And honestly, the, the little story. I've never played a Suicide Squad game, but but if there have been other ones, I don't know. But it looked neat. It does. Like, I thought, oh, I, but again, this was really just cinematic, so I didn't know what like, I liked the story, but I don't know what the gameplay is going to be. Like. Right, and I have no idea because it's. But if it's like one of the Arkham games, it's been a while. Because Arkham- I think the last Arkham game didn't do very well, so you know. Right, kind but of the Arkham it. games were fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the Arkham games. Uh, I only played the first two. Well, those are the best: Asylum and uh, the City one. Yeah, the the one that was more open. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Ar- Arkham Asylum's pretty linear, right? But- yeah, those were those were the two I I've played some on. Uh, we got the release date for Jedi Survivor. It's March. Uh, which has been rumored for a while now, but yeah, it's now confirmed. Yeah. Um, that lo- that looks good. The trailer looked really good. Uh, that game, the the or I'm sorry, the the first game was excellent. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, there was a trailer for an open world Dune MMO. I when I saw the trailer, I was looking at it and I'm like, this is. This is this looks like Dune. Um, and they're doing like the whole thing about the sleeper, and I'm right. like, okay, Dune, okay. And then they they go through, and I see this stuff, and I'm like, because Dune, like the Dune was one of the earliest, I think it was the earliest like RTS game ever. And then I was actually getting kind of excited, and then I saw it was an open world MMO, and I was like, never mind. That's exactly where I was on this. Uh, I was like, really? This could no, no, no. I don't want to play any more MMOs. No, nope, I'm, I'm good. Um, too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe if I got to be Shy Halut, I would do it for a while. I want to be the worm. I just want to be a worm going around doing worm stuff. Uh, there was a, there was a trailer for Death Stranding too. Oh God, so weird. It was like four minutes long. It was it was all cinematic, of course. All cinematic. So, I mean, I'm assuming and it's still going to be Postal Simulator, Postal UPS Simulator, I, or whatever. Like, did you play it? Because no. I, I never. Uh, it looked. I don't know because I thought isn't Norma's Rita supposed to like be pregnant? And then the game was like, here, carry a bunch of boxes on your head. Yeah, and I was like, it, uh, I'm sorry, Kojima. I don't. You've gone too artiste for me. Yeah, 
But it sold well. Yep. And so they're making another they're one. Making another one. Uh, Phantom Liberty DLC for Cyberpunk 2077 stars Idris Elba. Tempting, but I don't it's have so any tempting. intention to revisit Cyberpunk. So otherwise, but they know how to stroke yeah. my poor little heartstrings. It's interesting because it's uh, set up more as a spy thriller type uh, is from the way I've heard it laid out. And it's got Idris Elba because Idris Elba is amazing. Um, Immortals of Avium uh, is a magic-based FPS. I can't recall seeing a game like that in a long time Yeah, where it, it's like magic-based. Now, what I think would be cool if it was a magic-based FPS that kind of had the Doom feel where it's very visceral and just continuous fast. I think that would be awesome. Uh, but just the fact of its existence, I thought sounded kind of cool. Um, Transformers reactivate purely a cinematic trailer. Seems kind of interesting. Uh, seems kind of uh, post-apocalyptic and like human soldier survivor people looks like they're reviving based upon the color scheme. I would say Bumblebee, but that was my guess too. Yeah. Uh, could be interesting, uh, but again, purely cinematic trailer, so pff, doesn't mean nothing really. Um, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, uh, Burning Shores, which is an exp- a DLC expansion for Horizon Forbidden West. But what's weird is it looks like it's a PS5 exclusive. Hmm. For a game that's on PS4 and PS5. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I didn't catch that at the time. Uh, I didn't catch it at the time either until I was looking some stuff up on it, and it's looking like it's a PS5 exclusive, which is weird. Hmm. It me. is, because the base game is not. Right. Yeah, very, very uh, interesting. And that, that could was be a the mistake. bridesmaid game of the awards. It was up for all the major ones and won yeah. one of them. Yeah. It, it very much was. Which uh, happened to the first game, too. Yeah. Because it got the first game was beaten out. I don't remember which game beat it out on everything. I think that might have dropped the year. Was it Red Dead Redemption Two came out? Maybe it was something. It was something. It was big. something huge. Uh, maybe it wasn't that one. But but there were yeah there were a lot. No, it was Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, because I'm like Red Dead's too old. Yeah, no, it was Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I saw there was a Reddit conversation going. So wh- what do you think? Uh, what do you think's going to cheat Horizon Three? And the top <laughs> comment was GTA Six. <laughs> They'll drop it that year. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they released the cinematic trailer for Diablo Four. You know, here's mm. the thing: don't you all have phones? <laughs> we do, but my phone can't make a cinematic trailer that amazing look good. I mean, say what you will about the Diablo games. Say what you will about Blizzard games in general. Their cinematic trailers are just insane. That trailer was so cool. It 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 made me want to play Diablo 4 with zero gameplay and knowing how the last Diablo game, how wrecked and terrible it was when it came out and that they fixed it to be okay at best. But that trailer was just so good. Even if you don't plan on ever playing a Diablo game, I would go watch that trailer because it's just that good. It made me it made me almost excited. It did. It's like, oh wow. 
Armored Core Six. Now that was out of left field because for all From does anymore are Souls likes. Right. I've. I mean, it's been what fifteen years since there was an Armored Core game or longer. That trailer was cool too, and the trailer was cool. Again, all cinematic trailer, yep. but the trailer was super cool. But I mean, I remember playing Armored Core on PlayStation, like PlayStation One, mm-hmm. PlayStation. Uh, it is one of those games that I always enjoyed, but it just fizzled and has been gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that. And then the jewel for me, uh, was the Warhammer 40 K space Marine two trailer, uh, which we've I, known about. Yep. We, we have, and I, I had played the original back on 360. Yep. Actually, I think I borrowed your copy of it. Because uh, you had the disc, um, it was a really fun game, mm-hmm. and it looks good. the new The new one looks good too. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for it. Uh, I do have a note here that I would kind of like to see a game built like Space Marine, and Space Marine Two looks like it's being built that takes place during the Horus Heresy period of Warhammer, mm. because that would just be cool. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought it looked great. Um, there's a lot of good looking games coming out. Yeah, and the fact that this is literally probably half of the trailers that were I mean, out there. The show was like three hours long, and it's mostly trailers. Well, yeah. aside from one speech, uh, yeah. Other than the one speech, <laughs> just like oh, we can't cancel the first speech of the night early. <laughs> yeah, no. I think they just didn't know where their sound button was to play them off. I, Where's the button? I, I, when I when I pulled up to go through and watch uh, chunks of the replay, because I didn't watch the whole three hours, because I watched the trailer separately. Had watched, so I was just jumping around through the chunk of the replay. There were comments that were, I hear Christopher Judge is still his speech is still going on. They just kind of shuffled him off stage. And he's sitting <laughs> backstage, still finishing yeah. his speech. <laughs> Oh. Well, I think we might have finished our speeches for this episode. I think so. Okay. Well, people can email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and use the messenger tool, or you can support us on Patreon, of course, with patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We, we've got the 5K next week, so we do. we'll be able to talk a little bit about that if we survive on the next episode. We'll see. Hopefully we'll see. it's not freezing fog. Yes. Like it was like this today. morning. That would be terrible. It would. But until then, my name is Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. <laughs>